Welcome to the Comics Misremembered Podcast with your hosts Jim and John, and here's the opening music. Alright everybody and welcome to Comics Misremembered Podcast, the podcast where the rock never stops. That's right. Uh, I'm one of your host Jim. And I'm John. And together we talk about comics and comic related items. This week we are talking about a comic, an older comic that uh, John and I have never um, read prior to this podcast. Um, so this is an interesting thing for us. Uh, before we get into talking about the topic, uh, the comic at hand, we're always going to play that game where I play that little piece of music, which is relevant to the topic that we'll be discussing. The um, and also just to also let, let you let you know too is this is podcast two fifty eight. I want to get that out of the way. Yes, indeed. So, so podcast two fifty eight. So we play a little piece of music. John has not heard me heard this music prior to me setting it up, but he may has heard it in the world somewhere. That's right. Um, he's going to take a guess at. He always loves to take a guess. He wants to take a guess at the artist and the uh, title of the song. What do you got from me, John? That would be uh, Spoonman by Soundgarden and off of. Is, isn't that um, Super Unknown? Super Unknown. One of the best yes. rock albums ever produced by humankind. Absolutely. And that's no hyperbole. No, either. it's seriously. I'm, I'm, I'm talking. It's like if, you, if you've never listened to rock music and you're saying. What's something that you think I would like and that I could get into um, and it's good exposure and it won't turn me off? Go check out Soundgarden Super Unknown. Yeah. And that's yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> it's very, you're, you're so modest about it. Yeah, well, you know, I love Soundgarden. Um, so that's, it's relevant. Uh, and you're right on both counts. There's Spoonman, even the album and everything. Um, all three counts. All three counts. So we're going to be talking about um, a comic called Scout. Um, which is a comic that came out in like the 85, 87 range, so the late 80s. It was um, published, it written and published by Tim Truman. No, I'm sorry, it was written in artwork by Tim Truman. Mm -hmm. And um, and then uh, Tom Yeats did the art on uh, Chapter 7. I'll explain that in a second. The comic was originally published by Eclipse Comics, which right. is a, now a defunct comic publisher. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, how we got to read it, though, since we never read it in original Eclipse issues, um, luckily there's a, a, a modern-day independent comic company called Dynamite Entertainment, and they have gone around and they've collected um, some comics, some older comics, repackaged them, put them out. They did this with Scout. And so if you're interested in reading along or reading any of this, the good news is you can buy these trades like we did. Um, Scout, we, I got the Dynamite trade. The first trade is the first collected seven issues of Scout, which is basically the first story arc. That's all you need. If you just want exposure to the comic, just read the first collected issue. That's the first story arc. There's a collected issue, a part two, that's out right now. Um, I forget what, I think it's like eight to 13 or 14 or something like that, which is the next story arc. So if you're interested in what we're talking about tonight, or uh, wanted to read this on your own, the you can go and buy these. So that's what we did. I I bought these. Um, I bought this a couple of years ago, and I kind of just put it on the shelf because I really it was that we were doing other things or just didn't seem right or didn't fit or anything like that. But if you've been listening to the podcast for the last couple of weeks, 
Yes. We have a theme going, John. Do you want to explain the theme sure. that we have going on? We're we're doing our dystopian literature in celebration of the coronavirus lockdown. So we figure that the world is a little bit weird and and a little bit odd and a little off, but so we might as well embrace it and talk about the art that seems to be um, in, seems to be inspiration for getting us through this. Exactly. These the the stories that we're talking about at the time when they came out were very frightening yeah. because they you know they could seem like they would take place in the near future, yes. like 10, 10 years into the future, and. It felt like this could potentially be a real thing. Now, again, we talked about V for Vendetta, and the near future was, it was written in um, 84, I believe, and the near future was 1997. Right. So it was about 15 years into the future. This comic was written um, and published around 87. I believe it's about the same time it's range. It's about 97 or so. Yeah, 97, pre, pre 98. Yeah, in, into the future. It's, um takes, the setting is a, a dystopian apocalyptic setting. And we'll talk more about it, but it's, you know, it's that dystopian future that we, we like to talk about. And back in 80, if you were alive and reading this in issues, again, this is during the Cold War. We've talked about this several times. Yep. It felt like when you woke up during that time, anything could happen because it always seemed like on the news, Russia and America were butting heads and yep. anybody could press the button. And there was a bunch of war movies out there. We talked about Failsafe and like war games and all these other Red crazy Dawn. things. Exactly. That all these all these things that are out there that kind of feed, fed into that fear, that existential dread of the nuclear annihilation, right? right? And this, and in some ways, I think it was it was uh, it produced some amazing art, and in terms of both just art and art and uh, literature too. Yep. Um, and I think it's also good because one of the things is that when you're looking back at it, you realize that this is something that you lived through, that you got, that you were able to, you know, that you didn't see at the time that there would be an ending to it. Right. And there was. Right. Something major broke. And then after that, the world changed. Yeah, it was like the early 90s and that's when everything and we're changed. And right in that period of time where we feel like it's not, you know, where like this is where things are going on, dragging on, and then something will change and the world will change. And I think that this is it. And I think it's good to be having these discussions because... I think there's a lot of I think there's a, a I think one of the be, one of the things that it did was it encapsulated people's visions of what could possibly be bad mm -hmm. and in some ways thinking about the worst thing that can happen and when it doesn't happen is kind of like oh that was that was absolutely terrible. Yep. I mean, we do live in the world's dumbest timeline, and you know, we've joked about this. I mean, hell, we now have murder wasps coming in from like you know coming in to kill us now. Yeah, that well, that happens every year. But uh, it's just like it's just interesting that all of this stuff now is it, it's a good chance for us to to look back and also talk about some of the great um, some of the great movies that may not have been you know that are sort kind of out there sort of right now as maybe cult classics that we can that you know that may have been inspiration. Um, because I have a, I have one, I have a big one that I would like to talk about when we start. Well, we start I mean, we're getting into it. So let me, um, let me just clarify the, the reason why I chose that uh, first song and also a clarification too of my, maybe my own ignorance too. Um, so the comic scout is based on, um, a character, uh, whose name is Emmanuel Santana. Emmanuel Santana is what would have been referred to as a native American. Yes. But I've come to find out that this term is now even considered not kind of politically correct term. Yeah, he's First Nations. First Nations, but also in indigenous people. Right. I believe that that's the preferred uh, choice terminology. Nomenclature. Yeah, nomenclature. And so I, you know, I and I only know this because 
I've seen commercials and um, statements on TV saying, it, you know, support indigenous people. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, maybe this is a new sea change that, I, like, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't get the memo on you indigenous people's <laughs> indigenous people is a little amorphous i mean i think that's more for like central you know south and central america um the first nations are the people who are the people of the of of, of the americas who were here who were here pre pre-columbian right pre-columbus you know and had already had an, a thriving uh society no but that's what i'm saying so you know i don't i want to make sure that when you know whenever i refer we're, to anybody yeah, i refer to it in the the proper nomenclature try, as yeah, you said. Tr- try to be well, and also just as, as a matter of respect. I mean, well, that's it, what I'm saying. It, exactly. So I appreciate that. That's what I'm saying. So, um, so as I would say, is is that a scout is would be considered in, an indigenous person, and that's important to the overall story because it it talks about. Um, oh well, we'll get into it. Well, specifically, why is his uh, ethnic uh, heritage important to the story? Well, you're gonna find out as we talk about it. So why don't I why don't I just kick this off like we always do, which is a, well we're talking about influences still, oh, you yeah. know. I was just going to do a quick synopsis of the of the story. Uh, well we're going to get that when oh, we, talk, okay. we talk about the story. So you had mentioned that there was something. Yeah. Oh, oh actually, I, before I start, so indigenous people and the reason why I chose I, I forgot the reason why I chose the I want to kind of relate the music. The reason I chose the music is the song Spoon Man. Um, was but on Song Garden was based on a real person who was an indigenous person who had sounds and he lived in Seattle and that's where Sound Garden's from and he would uh, he he was a street uh, performer and he made his living off of that and he basically told uh, Chris Cornell who was I also believe of you know indigenous I mean, yeah, uh, origin yeah. and um, he he um, you know got to know him and he got to be friends with this guy and learned how like. What a great life he lived, and he wanted to immortalize that with this song, Spoon Man. And then the, the, pe- the piece I picked, you know, it was like, all my friends are brown and red, all my friends are skeletons, and now they're dead, and uh, something of that nature. Which also goes to the uh, persecution of indigenous people through the history of America, which is, you know, well-known, well Yeah, which is, which is America's... Um you know, it's original set. Exactly. So, um, and so again, this is another reason why it's important to know about the history of everything. So that's why I picked that. Now, let me let John explain another influence that he thought about when he was reading this. So there's a, there was a movie that came out with uh, Don Johnson, of all people. And it was... A Boy and His Dog, yes, is that what you're going to say? Absolutely. Yeah, I can see that. So go ahead and explain it. The reason why, um, the reason why it's based on a Harlan Ellison short story, right? One of the the reason why is that one of the things that uh, Scout does very eloquently is talk about um, Emmanuel's uh, native native roots, right? Um, including the the uh, folklore and the mythos of the Apaches, mm-hmm. because he's a member of the Apache First Nation, right? Um, and one of the th- and the thing about it is that throughout the throughout this whole throughout his adventure he has a an animal companion that's actually a, is actually a spirit of it's it's, it's the garn that's the uh, spirit of the hills mm-hmm. and it's pre- but it's uh, sort of like almost like in in a in a sense if you saw um, so so he's an animal familiar is part of the part story of, of Scout and what do you want to talk which about is also the animal familiar dog. which is a boy in a, which is literally a boy and his talking dog right. And it's you know it's set in an apocalyptic it's set in an apocalyptic land where you know there's, there's been devastation ecological damage and people and and these communities are barely hanging on and what it's like to bring new blood into those communities and I think one of the, and there's so there's there's for me reading it there was immediately that call out 
mm-hmm. um, in terms of and Harlan Ellison is one of like perhaps one of the one of the great sort of um, he creates science fiction writers so, yeah science fiction because he creates these senses of space where you're like where and and um, and mystery where you know it's like you can feel the emptiness of the world around him and I think that's like it's it's really it's really interesting because uh, there's a there's a sense that uh, the with with as uh, as scout as as scout travels towards this goal that he has uh, you get a sense of what of how much things have changed and why they've changed and there's also that sense, so there's so there's the 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 arc of the there's the story arc of the of both in both tales of this of this guy of a of a, of a warrior going you know sort of a, a, a this traveler going through and in encou- and going through these encounters and with his animal companion. So that was the the first thing that kind of popped into my head. When yeah, I was- no, that's a good call because that, that actually is is very as we talk about the story is going to be very familiar or very similar um, to to what the story is going on with Scout. Uh, so we'll- what was what did you did what did you did, was there anything like anything that immediately stuck stuck out with you? When well, you were the uh, it? getting away from you know the things that we've already talked about like movies and. Um, the, the literature and, and things of that nature. Um, the things that also stuck on me is similar to political themes um, that we got with um, V for Vendetta. So this is the time of Reagan, Reaganomics. We yep. mentioned this in V for Vendetta. And um, of course, you know, greed is good. Corporations and politics were all favoring the rich uh, at that point in t- time in history, the 80s, early 80s into the, into the mid 80s. And um, and you you get that, and that's what they were going for when they when they wrote Scout. And as we talk about it, you're going to see the influences because there's it. a very specific call out to a political call out, and there's a couple of ecological ones that are really kind of stand out as part of the as part of his journey, right? Which I which which we'll talk about as we go through. Okay, so we talked about that. Let's talk about the art a little bit. Sure. So Tim Truman. Um, is the artist for the majority of the book. Um, t- now, if you're not familiar with Tim Truman, I, I can't remember anything that he put out. Uh, Conan. I think he was... In recent years? Um, not recent, but I think that was before, right? Oh, no, no, no. I, I was thinking about something maybe r- more recent oh, that okay. maybe some some people have seen. But I, let me just explain my history with uh, Tim Truman. So I think my first exposure to his artwork was with... Um, Hawkworld, which was DC. So DC in the late 80s, early 90s, this is early 90s pretty much, um, DC wanted to redo the whole origin of the Hawkman. Um, yeah. It was too convoluted. Um, Crisis on Infinite Earths kind of cleaned it up. But they wanted to do something totally different, and they want to make the Hawkman characters like a whole race of aliens. So they did this whole world building with Hawkworld. And I believe Tim Truman wrote and did the artwork. I know he definitely did the artwork because the artwork's you know fantastic. And they did that as a prestige format. I love that. And I was like, because I at that time I knew little to anything about kind of characters and aliens yeah. in, in DC. So this is great for me because it was a jumping on point. And I really like that. And, you know, and, and it could change people's. You know, if people had a long-standing history of the Hawkman, Hawk One Girl kind um, of characters. Kind of like almost... kind of might have pissed them off because it changed their kind of origins. Yeah. Also, might have been a little bit jokey because of the, how they were portrayed in in uh, the Super Friends and <laughs> kind of as well, well, yeah. But and I think that's what DC wanted to do is they would get, get away, away from, from that, that kind of stream like it, make it more mature, make it make more sense. Um, and so I love that. So years would go by, 
and they want to kind of revamp Jonah Hex. Now, you're familiar with Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex is a longstanding, mostly known for cowboy tales, kind of weird cowboy tales. Yes, with the supernatural. With supernatural, a twist to them. And so, um, again, Tim Truman and the writer was uh, Joe Lansdale. Um, And Joe Lansdale had his own series of books that he put out, kind of dead zombies in the West, in a Wild West setting, dead in the West were, were some of his books. And so they got together, and they said, let's write a Jonah Hex bizarre story. And they did one series, and I loved it. That was, like, the, one of the greatest... I fell in love with Jonah Hex's character because through of that the series. series. Yes, because of the art, because of the story. And, in fact, that's going to be the next thing I try to find in a trade and so that we can read. Okay. Because they put out, I believe, two or three series. So they were, like, four-issue series. And they put out two or three um, series... And and then that was it. They never did any after that. J- Jonah Hex would come and go, but not with Tr- Tim Truman or uh, Lansdale, uh, Lansdale um, doing the artwork and uh, writing. But th- they're fantastic. See, search them out. Okay. So now I, I I know of Tim Truman, but I don't know of anything prior to that. This is all like early 90s stuff. So I know of Scout. I don't know anything about Scout yeah. other than... It was a comic. It was published by First Publish, uh, First Comics, which was an independent publisher uh, back back. I'm sorry, Eclipse Comics, Eclipse Comics, yeah. which was an independent publisher back in the day. But again, I I can't read it because there's no trades that exist. Eclipse is gone at this time in in history. Um, doesn't exist as a publisher. There's if you if there was a trade or single issues, they were hard to get because you couldn't yeah. buy them. You couldn't buy them online. So I am so glad that they did this publishing now. What was your exposure to, or if you had any, to Tim Truman, John? Um, I remember there are certain things. There are certain. Um, there's a, this, the cover. I think it, I don't know whether it, that's that's the original Truman cover. No, that that's a recent um, cover. But I think. But I remember. He's point, and John's pointing to the trade that we're talking yeah, about. I'm sorry. Um, but I remember some of the original Scout um, being up on the wall. They were wall comics for me by the time I was by the time I was aware of them. Meaning that if you walked into a into a comic shop, yeah. they were the ones that were being prominently displayed, you know, because they would be on because they would be out instead of being in the in the bins. yeah. You see that if you go to your local comic shop, they they have these uh, comics that are in bags and yeah. So uh, what all of the series was up on a wall? Um, no, but that's the reason why I didn't get it because oh. I was because I wanted to because the um, the covers were really iconic mm-hmm. at the time, and I remember I was like, is there a specific one that kind of like a, no. is in your brain? No, it was just that it was like I hadn't seen. I think it, it resonated with me because I had never seen an I had never seen an actual um, like I said First Nations hero. Yeah, and it's and the, you know and they were and the co- and and also the use of his color. Um, there's a specific red that he uses in like to in Scout. Yep, to kind of differentiate him. Like you know, it's not blood red. It's as weird. It's like it's a shade lower, and it's just and it's pops. Yeah, it's one of those things that I just remember it compared to everything else out there. It was standing out, and I remember the place that I saw it was it was on the wall up at um, in Harvard Square at a place called Million Year Picnic. Yeah, and I remember I kept waiting because I was like, I wanted because it was one of those things where I was going to make the investment, but I needed to do the whole thing. Right. I wasn't going to just get certain things and then wait for it to come because that would have I I had done that before, and I wouldn't promise myself I would never never do that again. Back in the day, well, that will be a whole another story. We'll we'll talk about that. Okay, I don't understand what you say. No, because I remember I bought a series. It was um, it was um, I remember I I bought like the first couple of issues. Remember the limited edition Wolverine series, the first yeah first first one. For a long time, you couldn't get certain issues. 
like well, it was only were, it was only four issues, right? But so I had like I had like one and three, and I was trying to get two and four forever, right? And then I finally did, but yes. it was like, and I swear after that I was like, you know, and I ended up spending a, more money than I wanted to to get them, right? And I was, and then the whole pro, the price collapsed, and I was able to, and they were everywhere, really. Well, they oh. compare relatively speaking, yeah. Well, uh, okay, but at the time, no, I'm just talking about this. Is like, remember, this is a while ago, yeah. Um, yeah, so, even a while ago. I mean, that's pretty been ste- like Wolverine has never lost popularity. Right, I know, but I mean, it was, but but people, but I think there was a period of time where I, maybe it was just that I had more money and I thought of it differently. Sure. I don't, I'm not sure exactly, but I just remember that after going through that, I promised myself that if I wanted to, I I wouldn't wait for another limited series. If I could get it all, I would do it, and if I couldn't, then I didn't. Right. But I remember, so I kept. I, but I remember it was up there for a while, and everybody. When I asked them, um, and I had spoken to one of the people behind the counter about it, and he was like, look, you know, it's like if you ever, you know, it's like, I can see why you don't want to get it, but it's so good, and you need to read it. Right. And then I kind of followed away, and then you were like, oh, this thing that I, that you know, that you wanted to read when you were like a kid, you actually, you actually got the trade, and I was like, so I was all excited. Nice. So this was, that was my experience. Now, and, and so we're talking about like um, his artwork, and so if you're not familiar with Tim Truman's style, you know what I would say is he he loves to he, it's all pencil and ink and then um I don't think he did the coloring in this particular one I think it was Steve Olive um, who did the coloring but his inks you know he he does his pencils he does his inks that he looks superb in the comic and the coloring just makes it pop as you mentioned and if you're not familiar with his style like he does this kind of really detailed work he does a lot of hashing which is that kind of like um, if you draw a figure. And you want to shade it, but you don't want it to just put in black to shade, like de- make detailed. You just do these little check lines. You know yeah. that's hashing, right? And he and he's really good at hashing. And by doing that, it almost looks like um, kind of wood press relief um, is what I want to yeah, say, like a rustic. Wood, it's like um, wood, like a wood, like a Japanese woodcut almost. Yeah, yeah. It's a really distinct. It's a really distinct style. So even if you got the black and whites, it would look fantastic. Yeah. It and would, the colors just make it look better. I actually wonder. I actually wonder because I think that there would be there might be something that you would be able to pick up as in a black and white that you wouldn't necessarily. Not that the colors aren't excellent. And in fact, like I said, part of why I was responded to it so viscerally was because of the pop of the color. But I think that there you might get an entirely different experience as a black and white. That would be interesting. Yep, most definitely. And uh, influences. I mean, I do, I don't I can't cite any influences that uh, Tim Truman has. But when I look at his art. And I think of people of that time of the eighties. Yeah, I think of Joe Joe Severin. Um, he's he was a comic uh, artist from the sixties, known for the sixties and seventies for kind of military. Who, and I was gonna say, who was the guy who did Sergeant Rock? Well, actually, um, Tim Truman. But that's Joe Kubert, I think you're Joe Kubert. Yeah, so, yeah. In fact, uh, Tim Truman did his first professional work was Sergeant Rock. Yeah. So, um, so you could probably see that. I mean, yeah. he went to the Joe Kubert School of Art. So yeah, there's that because I was because I was like I, because I, when you were because when you were talking, I was like, I when you mentioned it, I was like, I know I, that that's that was that military connection. There. Right, and and that's what I'm saying. Like with Joe Severin, because uh, Severin has like this again d- detailed ha- look hashing. Even with the inks, looks great. He even um, his graduating class, like people that came out around his time, um, Rick Veach, who's a you yes. know another person we covered on the podcast. He has a very similar style too, very detailed artwork, even in black and white. So that's what if you're if you want to know like what his artwork looks like, if you want to picture it, and you, if you're familiar with those people, you know those are a couple of great examples of like you know 
who's compared to you could probably think of a million more if you saw it saw it yeah but it it, and that's what the thing about his artwork is it's unique it stands out it doesn't it's not derivative of anything else it it, you can't say like oh it looks just like x it looks it's influence but not exactly yes you know um anything you'd like to add no i was just thinking and and he has a real gift. He has a real gift for faces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably one of the things that really is. That's this also once again one of those things that's a, is a standout selling point for this. Right. Is that is not just is the faces, the facial expressions, and also that in just and just that um, that love of detail. Right. Um, really, like it really adds. It it's he's able to um, he's able to get that 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 brooding sort of dis- disjointed sort of somewhat you know aloof sense of it just by you know like really deep facial expressions in very interesting like stroke brush stroke so it's, it's it's a really it's a like i said it's a real visual treat right and uh, so we're gonna get into now start talking about the actual story itself so before we get into it let's present the warning that we always tell everybody if especially if you've not read this before we're going to be doing spoilers. We're Absolutely. talking about the actual story. Right. Um, so we're going to be talking about plot points, uh, turn uh, changes, you know, thing, th- things that happen, changes that happen to the, the main character, Scout. So uh, if you don't want to know any sp- surprises, if you've never read the comic and you want to be- go into it fresh, maybe not start listening at this point. What I would recommend doing is, especially if you want to read it, go out and buy it. Right. I say if you want to read it, go buy it. It's actually, a prob- you'll probably get a good deal on it. Um, check Amazon, check your local, well, if you can, your local comic book store, see if they can mail it to you. And go get it. Then come back and start listening to the podcast at this point. Pick up pick up where you left off. Yeah, exactly. So that you can hear it. it now, if you, um, and I highly recommend it. And even, you know something? Even if we tell you all this stuff, it may even be a better experience for you to go into it listening, listening to this and then reading it. Um, because I'm going to get into point th- these points. Because there may be explanations that we give that maybe you're not going to pick up in the first reading of it. Uh, and that, to me, that's what happened when I, because I knew, I found out a little bit about it. Yeah. Like listening to some other podcasts and looking at some web series and stuff. And it helped me understand the story better. Right. And as we start talking about it right now, you're going to understand what I mean by that. Okay. So this is the spoilers from here on out. We're talking about the comic. So. Um, continue to listen or come back and listen after you read it, if you want to go in for, very fresh. Okay. This is the first time we're both reading this. Um, you know, as adults, we didn't read it as, as kids. Right. Um, in fact, if you want to do now, if you want to do the synopsis, yeah. here's what you can expect from the comic. Okay. So by Timothy uh, Truman, uh, Conan writer and artist, Scout, originally published in 1987 and created by Timothy Truman, features a Native American hero, Emmanuel Santana, and his one-man war against the oppressive government forces in a post-apocalyptic United States. Now, this revered and powerful series is remastered and presented to a new generation. This volume uh, features the first seven issues of the series, all new, um, all featuring the writing and art of Truman, remastered and recolored in this one volume, plus Truman provides an original cover. Bonus features include uh, introduction by John Ostrander and an afterwards in the form of an interview with creator Tim Truman uh, and original covers. And John John Ostrander is um, he Tim Truman worked with John prior to Scout um, for Eclipse Eclipse Comics on a comic called Grimjack. Yes, and that's the reason why he's doing the the intro for it. 
the uh, I just want to throw in here too a, a little bit about Eclipse Comics if yeah, you're not absolutely. familiar with with the, the company. Eclipse was one of the first independent comics that existed. Uh, I mentioned first pub first comics was another publisher in the '80s. There was a, a few, in fact, um, that existed. Pacific uh, Comics was another one. Yeah. And they all were putting out more mature subject matter, thing not superhero titles per se, but things that you wouldn't necessarily. So it was like supernatural, post-apocalyptic, ju- like Judge Dredd. You know, yeah. Eclipse Eagle Comics would then um, be Judge Dredd at that point. And so they keyed in on that that there was a mature audience that looked for subject matter that you're not going to get through DC or, Mar- or Marvel. So Eclipse starts putting together these, uh, getting these people who are not known by the mainstream and publishing them. And so because of that, we get like Dave Stevens' Rocketeer, which yes. is something, a, pub, a comic we, co- we covered. Alan Moore's Miracle Man, another n- no name that DC didn't know about until they started reading Miracle Man. And Scott McCloud's Zot, which is going to be another one we're going to cover in the future. Um, these are all originally published by Eclipse Comics. Then, um, and Eclipse started in the 70s. They get gained some ground in the 80s with these unsigned uh, artists who became very big. Then in the uh, late 80s, they got into a partnership with Viz Communication and Studio Proteus, and they start putting out all this manga. Um, yes. the stuff is like Area 88, uh, Mai, the Psychic Girl, and Legends of uh, Kamu. Kamui, maybe? Kamu. Yeah. And um, so, they, so they start getting all this traction. Now, uh, the early 90s come in. Um, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, and and uh, everybody else, they make their own imprint image comics. Uh, there's a speculation uh, boom that happens, and then there's kind of a bust, and people not buying comics. Also, like, um, Eclipse Comics has its own hardship with bankruptcy and, and losses. Like, they had a flood that destroyed a lot of their back catalog, too. Oh. So... Now, uh, nineteen by 1995, unfortunately, Eclipse was bust. They can no longer put out comics, and they, they have, like, no readership at this point. So that's the and, – and this is the thing. It's, like, all these great comics that existed, and you can't read them. So thankfully, like, IDW is another modern-day yeah. independent, Dynamite Entertainment. They get the rights. Marvel did the, got the rights to Miracle Man, and I eventually got to read that for the first time, thanks to Marvel. And all these other companies are getting these rights to republish them. Um, IDW did Rocketeer, so now people can read Rocketeer now. And I'm thank I thank the Lord uh, yes. because if if they didn't do this, I would never get to read these uh, stories at all right. because they they wouldn't exist, and I would just hear of them, you know, or I'd have to scrounge for the original yeah, they comics. Would be like, in, they, they would be like you know two hundred dollars a piece, and you know the flying spaghetti monster praise yes. you. Yes, so thank the FSM. Yeah, and uh, so. I, I luckily I, I was on Amazon one day and I saw that I typed in Scout and boom there it is I saw the trades I picked which, them up. By the way, which just totally makes me want to go and get a copy of see if there's a, if they have the trades for Alien Legion. They might. Um, I think that was public. I forget who it was that, but that was that was Eclipse. That was a um, Epic. Yeah. And uh, I think they they you can probably get those in trade somewhere. I want to try to f- see if they got Grimjack. I wouldn't mind reading that. That would actually be another good one. So that would be another thing I'm That would be another out. one of our uh, post-apocalyptic hits. Okay. So, yeah. So maybe in the future. Near future. Now, we're going to talk about the story. So this, we, as we mentioned, the main character in this story is Scout. His real name is Emmanuel Santana. Um, How would you... Okay, so 
this is your first time reading, John. Yeah. How would you describe the story? Or, or if you would, if you would try to get me to buy it, what would you say? So this is this is a, this is a story of a man coming to terms with his with his, with a, with the power with the power that's inside of him. Yep. And to bring down. Yep. And to bring down the the uh, the four the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's a good way to say it. Yep. And. It's his journey through the devastated wasteland that is America, to po- post-apocalyptic America. Yeah, to to show you, you know, and it's a so it's a it's a it's a journey of both uh, self-discovery and of vengeance. Yes, uh, yes, most definitely, vengeance is a big big key part into that. Yeah, yes. Um, so good description, a uh, very apt. Um, the and the only thing. That I, I, so I just want to I want to I want to stick to the post-apocalyptic part of it. Yes. So, kind of a dual-edged sword regarding the apocalypse that happens in this universe, in the Scout universe. You're not really explained what happened. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Just like in the Mad Max films, you don't know how the apocalypse happened. There's a vague statement at the beginning of Mad Max that says like there was a war and yeah. the, between the Soviets and, and then now uh, this is the aftermath. You don't and you don't need to know what the war was or how it started and who did it. Um but the thing is with this comic is it's hard to say like in the seventh issue you get kind of an explanation. There's kind of an underst- a little bit of an explanation. I couldn't even say like even a great, but kind of like a little clarity. It yeah. wasn't that there was a nuclear war per se, but there was kind of like countries started warring against each other, and this and this is, this fell into America. Yeah, this is this this is the um, this is the whole balkanization where you it starts off in Asia and then spreads throughout the world and the contain and. The contagion, the war contagion, not the actual, you know, not COVID, but in right. this case, the war contagion leads to suffering. Right. One of the things that they do, one of the things that they do, just just real quickly, really well, is that there are a couple plot points where they really explain specifically things just for that chapter. Um, there's a chapter where they, where there's a, there's a, there's a, an an, an issue where they are going into, um, the into the like an, an agrarian area. And they do a great job explaining how that one agrarian area is feeding all of America, right? Or most of America. Yeah, this is kind and, of in the middle. Yeah, and there's a, and there's and there's another couple. There's another and well, there's another moment later on which we'll talk about, but we'll get there. But so I think one of the things is that I like I agree with you. And Mad Max is an excellent analogy because it shows you like the it's showing you the devastation. Um, people are always hungry. There's food is always at a premium. Um, society is broken down, and there's a and there's a strongman government in of all places Texas, right? And that's where, and that's the and and one of the things that happens right off the bat is that you're that you're um, Emmanuel is confronted by uh, the the spirit that tells him that ba- you know that whether or not he likes it or not, this is his this is his destiny, right? Right, exactly, and um, is you know, his hero's journey, his call to being a hero is is an outside influence, an elder statesman, um, which is usually kind of the hero's journey, and telling him that you've been chosen, and of course the hero is reluctant as always, but the hero eventually picks up the uh, sword and goes yeah, and picks fights. up the mantle, picks up the mantle and the un- and the obligation that goes with it. Right, so this that definitely does happen. So as I was mentioning about like the apocalypse, it's not necessarily plainly put. 
and um, and again, it that doesn't hamper it, but I would like to understand, as you mentioned, there's a um, as you as you read the story, you find that resources in America are very scarce and rarities. So food is a resource. Yes. Um, oil is a is a resource, just like in Mad Max. Yep. You know, not a lot, not everybody has that to power their the cars and everything like that. You find that even majority of big cities like um, Houston, Houston, um, is are kind of like ghost cities or or big slum towns essentially. Because much like Star Blazers, in like with the planet bombs coming falling from Gamelon. Eh, no, not, no, I'm just I'm there's, making, there's no radiation no, 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 thing. No, 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 it's just, that just that nobody's living working. underground. No, yeah. they're living underground. No, because, no, no, that's not. Yeah, what's because happening. they say one third of the population lives underground. Okay, because when they're talking but that's about not what the, happens in the comic though. In the comic, they 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 yeah. go to. Um, they go to like big cities like San Antonio. Yeah. San Antonio is a big city in, in Texas. And it is a giant slum city. Yep. Like people live in squalor. Um, the only time that they can get proper food is when the missions give food out to people. Now, we don't understand why this happened. Yeah. You know, other than you find out that, you know, missions give the food out and that people fight each other and are stabbing each other just for the clothes on their back. It's a very... The- a very bad and like brutal future that they, Scout lives in. Yeah, they talk about the environmental. They do t- talk a little bit about the environmental collapse, but you're not sure how it got there, um, because the because the president is uh, the president of the United of the United States or where or this they. Well, it's the United States. Yeah, well, so for, the, for the you know, Argentina. Yeah, the the president has, talks about. Um, it mentions the the president has invested in this one agricultural sector in. Um, and because it's one of the last green spaces in America. Well, it's because ninety percent of the agriculture doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, and only ten percent is this green area. Yeah, and it's kind of like a hegemony of um, uh, of of just the rich get this. Yes, and the poor have to feed on the scraps. And they and actually one of the things that you see is our people are people who are literally hanging from. You know, literally hanging from the trees because because uh, they try to steal because they try because for stealing food, right? Exactly, and that's and, or trying to organize. They're not. He gives he gives a little speech to he gives a little speech about what about what you know like they obviously did something either tried to steal food or like try to organize or they pushed their you know they pushed up against the uh, the scions who were running the place. Um, but one of the things that one of the things that happens right off the right off the bat is that Scout's presented with it with this history with with his history. Um, the history of his people, because he's descended from he's he's uh, a descendant of um, of the Apaches, and the spirit that he sp- spoke to talks about how he had uh, you know he he's has the potential to be one of the greatest warriors you know like up there with Geronimo right. and right right he mentions Geronimo yeah and, and actually does mention him indirectly which is funny yeah um, there's a very the other thing that I like about this just let this is a quick aside is. That there's that the um, that this that the spirit of the spirit um, gone is the um, is the Indi- is the Indian is the um, is the native is the native spirit in him, um, sort of his um, sort of his like it's almost um, when you see him in his in his real form, he's almost like an like this black astral body, right? Of ju- you know, and and he's an embodiment of energy and knowledge of of his people, right? Um, and that it's an incredibly powerful. It's a, like I said, it's an incredibly powerful image. You know, an incredibly powerful sport force that he's in, that he's been that Emmanuel's been given. Right. Um, 
And the one thing that I love about it is that he also that that this spirit also has a great sense of humor. Really kind of just like silly silly things. You know, like there's like he's he makes quips. I, I always say that the Gon is the kind of a raunchy Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. That's actually a good, and, and, and he, he appears like a, as He tries as, to be as conscious, but then sometimes he's like, hey, check out that girl. And he's like, and she makes some really bad jokes. Yeah. Some really great bad jokes. Yeah. Um, and the thing is that that, that, that he, puts him, he puts an insight, look, one of your powers is you're going to be able to see these, there's four spirits that are wandering around. And there's, and there's a fifth controller. Well, yeah, no, so let me, before we get into talking about the spirits and everything like sure. that, I, I, I want to get in a deep discussion with this, but I want to go back to something. Sure. So you mentioned kind of like the main baddie in this comic is the president of the quote-unquote United States, yes. and his name is Jerry Grail, and um, the, the thing about Jerry Grail is that he doesn't live in the White House. No. He lives in the Houston Astrodome. Yep. That's the capital of the state, is you would... Now, here's the thing. It doesn't explain why this is a thing. Yep. It just says that he lives there. And, and the Astrodome doesn't exist now. You know, if you think about it, Astrodome's been... Demolished. I don't know if it, it hasn't been demolished. Yes. I thought they were going to make it like a national site and you couldn't dis- demolish it. But I I'm pretty sure it was because of what... Because of just the, they couldn't... Because after what happened with the floods and, uh, the, you know, with all the stuff that happened in Houston. No, I don't think that affected the Astrodome. Um, but I thought they were trying to save it for kind of like um, historical oh, architecture. But I'm I, sorry. I, I, I was confused. I, I, I think you might think I was getting confused of the um, Louisiana, maybe. Yeah, the the, um, the yeah, Superdome. The Superdome. Sorry. Yeah, no, the Houston, the Astrodome. So it was considered the eighth wonder of the world when it first uh, came, when it first for, came in. For, yeah. yeah, for its time. And um, so I, mean, I can understand, but it doesn't explain why he lives there. Did something happen to the White House? We and, never know. And all right. And the other thing is that he has he has a a vice president who's a woman. Yes. And um, no, I don't want to get into that just yet. I okay. just wanted to point that out because you mentioned Jerry. Oh yeah. And I wanted Jerry to say Graham. this, but I also want to say it doesn't explain why that happened. Yes. Now the the other thing too um, that you, you you want to understand about this is is that's so this is this is my thing about the comic. You know, having read it as an adult, I get. I can read more into it than I actually would get if I was a kid. Right. And because of not a lot is explained. So this is part of my frustration as we read it, and we'll get into it as we talk about yeah. the spirit thing. Um, the other thing, too, is when this was originally published, the original issues are normally about 22 pages. Um, not every single comic was published 22 pages long. In fact, they had backup stories, so maybe it was only 17 pages was a full issue, and then there was a backup story. Now, I don't know why they did this, and maybe it's because they couldn't afford to pay Tim Truman for 22 pages worth yeah. of material. So they paid him for 17, and then they threw in a backup story with it. So these chapters read very fast. Yes. And it's almost like the very first issue, you get, it's like you get a, set, a quick setup, you get to the big bad, and then there's the battle. And then you move on. Yeah. And rinse, rinse, wash, repeat. That's what you get throughout the entire series. And so it's very, um, it's not a lot of detail about these characters. In fact, the majority of the uh, character building and world building is down through Scout himself. A lot of the tertiary, uh, secondary and tertiary characters, uh, you don't really know much yeah. about them. Okay, so we'll get into that. Now, let's talk about that first big bad. Yes. Uh, so the very first issue... 
John mentioned that God tells him, you know, he's chosen. He's the one who can see things. So he sees, he sees people for what they are. We see people, you and I see them as regular people. Right. But what does the scout see him as? So the, there are four, there are four spirits, and the first of which is is the owl, which is the owl spirit. And in this case, if you've ever... well, explain explain who the owl spirit is. So the owl, the owl spirit. Uh, hold on one second. I just, I'm going to just. Let me give his name. The, yeah, I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. Okay, so the the first character that that they encounter is his name's Al Bonanza. Oh, that that's right. And who, what is what is Al Bonanza's um, choice of trade? Uh, he's he, he's uh, he's the um, he's a pornographer. Yes. And okay. I'm sorry. I was I was just I was just 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 distracted by something. When one of the things is that if you. It, one of the things that's just making me laugh right now is that you were we were wondering where he got you know where some of the um some of the um inspiration for this came from and all of a sudden i realized when you mentioned when you mentioned his name i started laughing because he looks like a he looks like an owl bear from from the original monster manual from dungeons and dragons the, the the character the owl man character there's the owl the you know in his in his monstrous form yes and all because there's, there's this wonderful there's this one page where he looks you know where he's got like you know he's got this giant body when you know because he's confronted by he's confronted by a scout and he's and he's like and he turns it and he turns into this um, scout's gun jams and he's got you know so he's got to fight him hand to hand right and. Uh, and there's this one panel that I just that when you mentioned it, when you mentioned the name and the the pun there, um, I just I was like all of a sudden it just triggered my that and I just had to laugh out loud because there's if you've ever seen if you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons you'll know exactly what that character looks like without me telling you right and as you've listened to the podcast I've never played Dungeons and Dragons so right. that's why I don't get the reference but so yes so he's he's a, he's a giant owl character and. Um, there's this little explanation um, given to like who the owl character is in in kind of in indigenous cultures, um, and what you find out is the character um, is an evil person. He likes to abuse women in this story. Yes. He ha- he has a big Johnson, or he had a big Johnson, and what would happen is he would make love to the women, and the big Johnson would kill the women. So he decides to kill the big jo- cut the big Johnson off. And um, and now he's even angrier because now he can't satisfy right. women, and so he kills them for fun. Okay, that's what you get. Yeah, that's. Yep. Let's and, not and go so, too deep into that. Yeah, but there's not nothing to go deep right. into. That's the explanation. Right. Now this is what I found out. I did I did a little digging, and I want to put a lot of emphasis on a little. Right. So I did a little digging uh, about uh, Native American uh, mythology, world building, Earth creation, that kind of stuff, and you find out that. And not just in um, Navajo, but in a lot of other tribes' uh, mythology, e- e- this owl creature exists. Yes. And the way that it exists normally is a, is, is a creature. It takes the form of a man. It comes down to to a village, and then it would take a baby and, and, and take you away. So if you were bad, the owl man would come and get you and take you away and maybe kill you or something like that. So this is something from real cult like culture you right. know the, the, you know the indigenous culture this story comes from now i think tim puts his own unique spin on right. it with the whole johnson thing and maybe and maybe that's part of the culture too i just didn't find it uh, fast enough um but i got i got into it now this is 
what I'm talking about of you're only getting the like kind of like the tip of the iceberg. You're not getting the whole iceberg. And what I mean by that is you're getting only a brief explanation as to what the character is. Right. I want to know more about the Owlman. Right. Other than what was just told to me on one page. Again, we're only given a few pages, so I have to make this transition as fast as possible. Next, you know, exposition to who he is. Somehow, this guy's got a pool in the middle of the apocalypse. How the hell does he have a pool? Right. And so, like, that's like of, literally, like I was like, I even would want to know about a, Al Bonanza. How did he become who he is? Yeah. Who does? But well, we never get how that. Did he, how did he? How did he tap into his 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 power? That's one thing that you don't that you don't get. Right. That's what I'm saying. It, it's it's because this the, maybe, and this also could be because this is like a freshman story. It's a new uh, kind yeah. of first tell with Tim Truman, and he's kind of getting these ideas out. So it could be a combination of other things. His first time tr- telling a story, limited amount of pages. He doesn't know how long this is going to go. He wants to make it go twenty issues. Maybe they don't get the funding to do twenty issues. So I'm going to try to tell as much as possible in this in these six issues. Um, that we get. I want to stab. I want to start off swinging from the fences and and start off strong with the, you know with a lot of action. And, and that's what that's what I'm saying. I almost would wish that there was a remaster yes. of Scout. I, I don't know if Tim Truman would like to do that, but I would love a remaster of Scout. And this is what I would love to see in the remaster. Um, so Gone, so even because even Gone doesn't you don't you don't get an explanation of what Gone is. Right. You 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 mentioned he's like he's you know he's this, this deity this entity. Um, he has powerful, but you don't know how powerful he is. You don't know what his role is in traditional folklore um, right. regarding, you know, first world uh, folklore. And but you get kind of the briefest explanation. You don't know why Scout has the vision. Right. You don't know why he was chosen. He just he's been told he's chosen, but why was he cho- chosen? And it mentions that he's been tortured by this thing that you know throughout his life that he's right. always had these visions where he you know where he's been where something happened and he became even more estranged from the people around him. So this is this is what I'm talking about. This is what I would love. So the, before they go and challenge the Owl Man, they're camping the night before, and Gon's telling him about who he's going to be, be facing the next day, and I would love like a one page kind of even all text. Almost like you know, you know, uh, with John, Jonathan Jonathan Hickman, Hickman infographics, infographics, but but like a page of text yeah. with kind of like this kind of native artwork, kind of sprucing it up on the yeah. sides, and um, just explaining the legend of this character. This is the Owl Man. Right. This is what you can do. This is and, and maybe even explaining like you know, um, and, and like another, even like why was I chosen? A, a page. This is why yep. you were chosen. Or just even with a conversation, you know, explaining why he was chosen, but then say, "Remember what I told you about the Owl Man," and then there's this page of text explaining everything. And because I've seen that done in like other comics that are trying to take real world culture and put it into their comics, and they do it like that, kind of like this. You can, and you can choose to read it or not, you know. Because some people say, "Oh, a page of text. I'm not reading. I'm going to flip it." It doesn't matter if you read it. The thing is, if you read it, though, you get like a taste of right. this is what um, folklore is told through other cultures. Right. And I'm, I, you know, and I, I suppose there's also, there, you know, because there, there's also a fine line because you're trying to do your own in, interpretation of folklore and you don't want to, you don't want to disrespect the original, the original stuff. No, but you can, you can take. But I think that, I don't think. Like, that look, that I can take. That. I can take the Bible and make my own story out of it. I can take a new interpretation of the Bible, you know, and, yeah. and but that's fine. Absolutely. And other people have actually done that through, in comics and other literature yes, interpretation. Um, but that's it's what called I'm the saying. New would, Testament. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I would love. I love, would love to see here. Yes. And um, 
We talked about it with R. Crumb with the Bible. Right, you know? exactly. Right? So that was my own kind of thing. I, as an adult, I can read into it and pl- put it, but if I was, like, let's say I was 17 reading that, yeah. would I get the connotations it's making? No, I, I, I agree with you. I think I think one of the, one of the great things is that it, it it's... It's shockingly, you know, it's. I don't know whether it's, it was intended to be nuanced because of lack of space, but it, uh, but the lack of space makes it nuanced, right? Which is kind of interesting. So now we got, we have about ten more minutes that we can talk about sure. the, the story. So he has this kind of these trials of these demons. He has the pornographer, as you mentioned, his gun jams, and how does he have to kill him? He kills him with his bare hands and, and in the pool and the, yeah, the thing that he covets, him. like the the swimming pool, yeah. that because he was he was taking a nice swim and he kills him. Um, he then, there was a girl who was being abused and would have been killed eventually by the owl man, by, yes. by Al Bonanza. He takes her and she's like, and he's like, uh, she, and she kind of like starts getting more information out of him. Like, you know, why is he doing this role? So you get a little bit more information, but you also find that the owl was a big time player in this government kind of shadow government right. that exists. And, um, cause he supplied all the girls to all the, the, the people that are in the politics, yeah. right? So now that's gone because he's dead. So now they're after him. He was Epstein before Epstein. All right, because they know that they're after everybody in the um, in the government. So the next person, as you mentioned, he goes after is the person of agriculture. Yes, it's the and he's the bison. He's the bison. Now I don't know. I, I didn't look into find out what the bison meant, but that was his kind of his animal spirit that comes out of this this de- deity. You almost have a feeling like almost like a little bit of American gods in this. Well, that's what I'm saying. American oh. does this um, great thing about like taking not just Native American culture, but taking all cultures, right. the American you know, the Norse culture, culture and, and yeah. like uh, like all world cultures, and building it into like this universal culture. Uh, and but that's that's kind of like what you, yeah. you you get, and that's what I think Tim Truman was trying to do here was take something that maybe not a lot of people know about Native American or um, Indigenous culture, and putting it into a comic form so that you could learn more about it, right? And that's what he that's what he was trying to do. And and, and we don't get the um, we don't get the the full expl- we, we don't get the unfortunately we don't get the yeah. full, but it's it's it happens very quick. The vengeance is quick. Yes, he kills the bison. Yeah, he comes in, and the the bison is the is so he he manages this fertile crescent that that where where that's supporting the life in America, and there's with the military people, and he comes in and 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 kills them, um, and once again, you know, it's the the vengeance taking place on, and it's sort of a payback because, like I said, when you when he arrives, the first thing that you see are the people that that they've killed as to make an example. Right. In fact. He has a discussion saying, "Well, that's what they do. They're not going to be. They're not going to be any patrols or anybody out here. They they leave this as the as the as the warning marker." And he kind of and and there's a sense there also. This is also a reminder that he's sort of resigned to dying every time that that he's that he's involved. I mean, he understands that that you know there's a chance that every time he does this that he may not come back. And his you know and the relationship that he's building as through through the through the story with this girl is, uh, and then later. His uh, history with the military, which um, which is in, which is in, which is very important, um, and how he became disenfranchised and ended up going AWOL, right, and leaving. Well, the and that that's the other thing too that you find out through the story is um, you find that Scout was trained by the U.S. Rangers, yes. so that's kind of high ranking, uh, really tough um, yeah. army group, the U.S. Rangers, and so that's where he gets his military training and tactics. 
And then you find out that the um, he's being chased after uh, two people are chasing after him, uh, which are if if I can find their names, um, Rosanna Winters and Raymond Vaughn. And you find later that you find that Rosanna Winters has a special relationship with him. This, yes, indeed. You find this out in the seventh issue. But the uh, intro to every comic it was a little excerpt written by Rosanna Winters, so you know that she eventually will become... She, the, she's the reliable rela- narrator. Yeah, she's a, she's the narrator, and but also she becomes very close to Scout in the future, because these are published in, in the future right. as an... Ind- so it, she basically explains this from her diary, and they, she makes it into a book. So you, you understand why she doesn't... There's a couple of opportunities where she can kill him, and, and she, she doesn't, doesn't take it. She doesn't take it because yeah. she, you find out at the in the seventh issue you find out why. So I won't spoil that too much. But the other thing I, I want to point out is um, the other villains that that are in here. Yes. So the one of the um, second to last character or third to last uh, monster gets killed. His name is Vince Aguirre. I don't know if that's like French for eagle, maybe, Eger, but he's an eagle monster. And how he attacks Scout is he's in like um, a a, a flying plane, a Kitty Hawk fighter. Yeah, he's in a a World War II plane. Yeah, which is funny. And um, what also happens is there's a character called uh, Duty, who was this um, a, a, a young kid who was in a missionary, who was in a mission. Yeah. And he hears what Scout's doing when he's in San Antonio. And he's like, I. He sounds like he's on a quest to kill the evil in the world. And he read Lord of the Rings, right? And he's like, I want to join your quest. And then he's like, Sure, why not, kid? Well, he saves him. No, but this, I'm, yeah. I'm getting to this. Oh, but he says, Are you Gandalf? He says that to Scout yeah. as he joins him because he's making a Lord of the Rings right. reference, right? And when they fight um, the eagle, like Scout would have died. Had it not been for Duty, Duty is a, a, an expert marksman or yep. a sniper. That's what you find out. Duty has a, like a learning disability. Yeah. But you find out he's an expert sniper. And a scout would have killed, but luckily Duty sees him, shoots through his cockpit, and it kind of distracts him, and it saves Scout. And then Scout takes his motorcycle and jumps it into. But um. And then Duty gets unfortunately gets captured and gets tortured, and then Scout has to go after him. Right, and that's where this, the showdown with with uh, the vice president. Yeah, who has a mechanical form, which is the final, which is the final. No, no. Well, there's two. There's two things. You're thinking of the antelope oh, monster. Right, yeah. I, so we're, we're getting close to the end of the podcast. Oh, and but the other thing that's funny, the, the funny slant that he puts on it is, you find out that Grail is was a professional wrestler, <laughs> in his former job. Yes. So it wasn't uh, Egair. Because um, they were they were a tag team wrestlers or something like that, and which is kind of a a, sl- uh, a slight against Reagan because he was an actor right in his former job. So now he's a wrestler and he's like, oh, this the transition is not that big. And and the interesting thing is that you when I, one of the things that I wanted to just call out was an interesting thing because they elected because they, they have his um, there's this the, the there's this woman who who's his vice president who he's that he's um that he's in he's involved with yeah and they keep her drugged up yes and the thing is that they said um they they wanted me to run because they, you know but it wasn't because it would you know to get the liberal votes but it wasn't because they actually cared about me they just put me in a room and they didn't take anything they didn't care about my policies they just wanted me for the photo op and well but that's exactly that's a good um call out to make especially at this point since now that we talked about kind of the main values is what what about the vice president we well, find out it's a woman yep. you find out that she's drugged all the time and then you find out that once the monsters are dispatched, the evil 
is right. out of the world. Because, again, he, he does kill Grail. I mean, this is was the whole point of the whole right. Scout series. He kills Grail. And then once um, the evil has gone out of the world, it gives her an opportunity. Her name is Miss, Miss Carver, is the yep. character. It gives her an opportunity to prove that she is a good leader. Yeah. And the reason why they were drugging her is because they wanted the liberal votes, and that's it. They don't want to hear yep. from this woman. And they just want to keep her locked so, away. And it reminds me of um, it reminds me of Walter Mondale was running against uh, against against Reagan, and he had the and he was and he had uh, Geraldine Ferraro as this uh, as his vice president, yeah, exactly. the first woman to run for for um, vice president, vice president, yep. know, to be on the ticket. And I, you know, it's which just, is about this time too. Which is exactly which is a which is a total which is a total awesome shout out to to this. It, it was. Once again, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of like I said this 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 book deals in subtleties, um, in terms of its story, in terms of its you know unfortunately I'm sure it probably would have been less subtle because if it had been given more space and more pages, but um, I think it does a really good job of 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 kind of talking about some of the stuff that was happening in terms of the real world, yeah, and 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 analogies that aren't direct but direct enough, right, and I think that. Once again, I really enjoy that. One of the things that I one of the things that I don't one of the things that I appreciate, you know, I appreciate about this book that you know is that they're not beating you over the head with their analogies or their you know or or like you know or their particular or, or any particular agenda. They're talking about it in its totality. Yep. And I think that's what works. One of the things that I really you know it's like, in some ways. You can complain about the length of Scout, and you can say, well, "I wish there was more." And it, but that's that's actually this that's actually part. And some of the things are kind of annoying because you because in some ways you, the reader, are going to have to fill in some of the information yourself to make to kind of make a sense of it for you. But in some, but in a lot of other ways, there's some things that happen that you are that you're going to be better off because they weren't spelled out for you, and you're going to be have an enjoyment for of the of those of the book that you wouldn't otherwise have. Right. So. so it's Scout is not a, um, you know, it's a good read. It's not perfect. It's but. not perfect. It's not a perfect read, but if um, you'll get more out of it if you grew up in that era, as we yeah. as we discussed, um, you'll get more out of it if you're an older reader now uh, reading it because you can you know put more inference into it that, yeah. than you would got gotten from originally reading. So that's what I'm saying when talking about early in the podcast is this is more of kind of maybe even a primer right. to explain what was going on. So that when you read it, you're like, "Oh, I get this is what those guys were talking about." Exactly. Yeah, and we and, and it, so there's you know political background to it as as we mentioned, like Reagan and Geraldine Ferraro and like all yeah. the things that were going on in the world and Reaganomics and like I love yuppies and you know all the <laughs> yeah. money and all the power. Uh, that's what you you get all that out of um, uh, out of Scout. Like uh, the the ills of the world are, uh, were the greed that people were pursuing in the eighties, and right? that was the, and that was also the cause of the destruction. And 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 it's 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 never spelled out, but you can tell that all these things are rooted in that corruption. Exactly, and um, so it's 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 a good read, and I you know I would recommend it absolutely if you especially the the artwork. It's it's even though it's it's his kind of first artwork and it's not as polished as his later artwork would be in the things that I mentioned about Hawkworld and yes. the Jonah Hex comics it still looks great like yeah. it's still I look at this and I could see kind of like rough around the edges and some of the pages but some other pages spectacular oh. like I, this is like you couldn't have done this better and some of the clo like I said a lot there's some really awesome close-ups that in terms of, like I said in terms of like facial facial expressions um, because scouts are very intense intensive intense guy um and he's in very intense he's in very intense situations 
but the way that the, like I said, the facial, the, the facial, like the way that he can convey the emotions, um, in, in throughout this is, is just, it's phenomenal. I just, you know, like I said, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I would definitely recommend, I would, you know, it's worth, even if you're, even if you're not even from of this era, it's a good, it's a good way of just taking the world, taking a slice of the world at that time and being able to look at it, um, obliquely yep and being able to kind of see where all because because as we all know um all past is prologue for the for what's going on now right so you may find so you may see correlations that we are missing in your own you know from your own experience of history and i think that that's and i think it's a very and i think it's a so that's why i would recommend it as a uh, sort of a you know sort of as a as an interesting not just as a time capsule but as something but as as sort of a um as sort of just a sort of a moment that you can kind of look at and and bring forward with you. Right. So that is the end of our discussion for Scout this week. Uh, next week, we'll see if we have another dystopian comic that we can uh, reference to make you feel better about <laughs> everything that's going on. Yeah. And But as always, you can um, listen to this podcast and all of our other podcasts at comicsmisremembered.com. Through Comics Misremembered, you can get the links to sign up for podcasts through uh, iTunes and uh, all the other things that you can do. And also, you can uh, sign up for our social media. So whenever we uh, send out references to the podcast or what's coming up, and you can take guesses, because I'd like to send out, I don't tell you what's coming up, but I make you take guesses, nice. and then you can respond to it. Um, and so we got our um, uh, links there on Facebook and Twitter and, and uh, Instagram as well. Um, so just go to Comics Misremembered to get all that stuff. And as always, we will be back next week talking about more comics.